0: Welcome back to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do these without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to start by saying thank you to all of them. First, thanks to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herff Jones. Varsity Brands elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to thank our platinum sponsors, including Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Gilman Gear, always a step ahead. Camp Mobile, where teams communicate better. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. And vital signs bring student achievements to life. Thanks to all of our great sponsors. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest today is Stacy Siegel. Stacy is a certified master athletic administrator, and she's the assistant director of athletics for the Dallas Independent School District. Stacy, welcome to the program. Hi, Jake. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, gosh. I've been wanting to get you on for a long time. Well, as you know, the life of an athletic director, especially these days, is very busy. So we're going to jump right in. We always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, uh, where you went to school and college, and maybe how a love of sports led to that first teaching and coaching job.
1: Absolutely, Um, so I grew up um, in Bryan, Texas, a small central Texas town about an hour um, north of Houston. Um, There were about 50,000 individuals that lived in that town, and at that time it was actually Bryan College Station, now it's evolved to College Station Bryan (laughs) with Texas A&M University being there. so, again, small town, went to Bryan High School. Um, it, at that time, there was about 2,000 students and only one high school. Um, but from that point on, I uh, had the opportunity to um, play Little League softball, and that was really kind of uh, what was around. You know, club ball at that time in my area, softball was not in the high schools. Um, and so I was fortunate to... Uh, learn and begin to love the game of softball at the age of nine. And that was really the only sport that I played um, at that time. But um, was fortunate from then to um, go to the University of Oklahoma. Um, My parents told me way back when, you can go to any school, but you can't go to the University of Texas. And um, that was that love-hate relationship. And I guess I took it seriously because I jumped in uh, at that time to, to OU Um, Spent a year there at OU and then was fortunate to come home, um, because family definitely is important, and um, ended up at Texas A&M, graduated from A&M. Went on to pursue a master's at that uh, University of Texas, Tyler, and then actually um, this past year, after, uh, I guess right about the age of 50, I decided that I'm going to go pursue an MBA. So I went back to school, and now I'm pursuing an MBA at Louisiana State University um, Shreveport.
0: Wow. Uh, very, uh, very cool to, to see you having a chance to uh, get that extra degree. Absolutely. Um, talk a little bit about uh, your transition from teaching and coaching into uh, athletic administrator.
1: OK. Um, well, I think that I kind of took the unconventional route. Um, actually, when I graduated from a and um, I did not go into public education. Um, I was fortunate to spend 11 years as a head college softball coach. Um, and during those times, I spent um, 10 years overseas as well, um, coaching um, softball, having the opportunity to take kids from different universities. Um, we'd meet in the airport. I didn't know who they were. And we would... Uh, start from JFK, go overseas and spend two weeks to a month um, playing the international competition and um, learned a lot during that time, um, learned a lot about just different cultures, um, how different we are um, from you know, other cultures as well. Um, and obviously seeing how um, the sport of softball at that time had not yet really evolved to the international competition. Um, so with that, um, I left um, collegiate athletics um, jumped into public education, I want to say uh, 2003, um, so now I'm starting my 27th year um, in education and was fortunate at that time. I knew that I did not want to leave the, the D- Dallas, Texas, Dallas Metroplex area, and so um, jumped into a female coordinator role at that time, um, and then with just some um, promotions and just some time got my feet wet, Um, I decided that, you know, we have so many kids that really need to be served. And I found a home in Dallas um, and I, you know, I love our students.
0: Well, I know you're doing some great things there in Dallas. That's interesting about the international experience. Uh, Back in the eighties and nineties, when I was a high school football coach, uh, I was part of a group that took high school football players over to uh, England. Uh, during spring break and we tour and travel and we play British clubs in American football, just uh, a great experience. And you talked about the culture and helping grow in the sport. Uh, You know, what a great experience that must've been.
1: It really was. um, I've been able to develop some, some lifelong friendships Um, at that time. It actually worked out really well for me. Um, I was coaching collegiately. And so I'd go overseas, I'd find some kids Um, I bring him back to the States to play and my trip was all expenses paid because I was actually on a recruiting trip at the collegiate level. And so As I said, I've really been able to just develop some lifelong um, partnerships get really involved at that time with USA softball Uh, And that has been real fortunate because it's dwindled down to the high school level, um, at least being able to communicate um, You know, if we have kids um, that want to compete at the next level, or even mentors, or bring in clinics to our kids in Dallas, um, I've been able to do that over the last couple of years.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, very cool. Um, you met, just mentioned mentors, and uh, in our business, we always talk about the importance of leadership and, and developing that next generation. Who are some of your mentors, um, you know, growing up, you know, teachers or coaches, or people that you worked with or worked for?
1: Well, I'd say my first mentor um, by far were my parents. And again, I know you have to put them in there. Um, My mom passed, I think it's been 12 years ago, but she was my rock. And um, I think they instilled in me just that hard work ethic. Um, Professionally, I would say to start with, um, Sonny McLennan. Um, Sonny passed, um, I think it's been two years, but Sonny was my first club ball coach. Obviously, growing up, softball was not real big in our area, and I think Sonny used a little bit of reverse psychology. You know, he came to me and he said, "You know, Stacy, nobody wants you. Um, nobody wants you to be on the team. None of the coaches agree, um, but I'm going to stick with you, and um, but you're going to have to work as hard as you possibly can." And until this day, um, you know, he taught me so much about just hard work and, and perseverance, and Um, He really followed me through my career, coaching collegiately, playing collegiately, and even more when I became an athletic director, having the ability to come back and talk to the kids. Um, There's so many more. Um, I was fortunate to serve in a a principalship role. And so my first principal, um, Cindy Goodsell, um, was really a great mentor. Um, I think the thing that I really loved about Cindy was that she allowed you to agree to disagree. Um, you know, she wasn't a yes ma'am individual, um, but she also said, hey, do you want to learn budget? Then here, take this budget and go learn. Um, she allowed us to sit into every single meeting we possibly wanted to, um, every leadership meeting. Um, she really gave you the reins. and um, But she was also stern to say, look, this is not the right way to do it. Um, but it was a one-on-one conversation. Um, And I think that was really important. Actually, I think I read something you posted on one of your posts that I liked. And actually, it's on that. It was the proactive coaching um, quote that, you know, talked about tell me tell my mistakes to me, um, not to others. Because, you know, my mistakes, I think, were to be corrected by me, not for others. And um, that was really important. Cindy kind of, you know, mentored that. And obviously, at the athletic administration level, there's so many mentors um, that I can name. I've been fortunate in the DFW and Region Three area. There's so many talented um, ADs that we've been able to, just to, you know, bounce ideas off of. On, um, you know, we've got a group um, message going on. It's been going on all summer of just lifting people up. Hey, how's it going today? What's your plan for COVID? Um, how are you doing today? Um, and so there's just so many t- to name, at, at least at the collegiate level. And then, um, you know, I it wouldn't do any justice if I didn't say professionally as well as personally. Um, you know, Annette Scoggin, um, who was uh, the past president of the NIAAA, was also a large mentor. She was also my colleague. So she worked in the same office in the capacity with me um, for a number of years. And she uh, not only um, was a colleague, but she was also a mentor because I, uh, I really liked the path um, that she took and taught me how to grow. And I think that it was really important.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always great to you know, be able to look back and uh, acknowledge the people that touched our lives and continue to touch our lives, uh, both as you mentioned, personally and professionally. Um, you mentioned that uh, you didn't have, let's say a, a traditional path into athletic administration, but you've certainly been involved in athletics a long time. Um, and now as an athletic director, my next question is, uh, in the past, let, let's just say maybe 10 years, um, how have you seen the day-to-day job of the school-based athletic director change? You know, what's different now than from 10 years ago as far as things athletic directors deal with?
1: Well, I'd say right now, um, In this time, risk management, I think is the first thing that that comes to mind um, for us is that, um, you know, everyone used to say it was, you know, books and buses. Um, At least they used to say that as a, you know, and behavior at that time. But I do think from a a risk management perspective, we have so many different avenues that we have to uh, really pay attention to and wrap our hands around, Um, whether it is tracking concussions and, and doing that on a daily basis. I'm really making sure that our facilities and turf um, are up to code um, with GMAX as well. Um, I think communication right now in the many different social um, media platforms that we that definitely has changed for us um, now with the Zoom and Google Meets um, and all the different platforms. I don't think um, athletic directors really had to um, be experts in those. Um, of of how to do that. And I think that the the different ways that athletic directors have communicated um, just recently um, have really, really changed. Um, The other thing I think is really from my perspective, and I love so much, uh, professional development um, has really changed. We're so much more about being just a coach. Um, And I love that. But there is a professionalism about being an athletic director as well as a coach. And I think the expectations of really being an expert in your field Um, and given that true credibility for our coaches and our ADs has changed. And I think the expectations have always been there, but now I think they are, um, they're a higher grade. So us having all the professional development that's available to us, math teachers go to PD, English teachers go to PD. I also feel like now our coaches and our ADs um, it's expected, and they're expected to come back and share. Um, and so I'd say really just kind of those three areas, I've really seen a big jump in uh, what's important um, and what's expected.
0: Let's go and continue down that path. Um, you know, obviously, you, know, you are very active uh, at your state level. You're active with NIAAA, and, and you know, you've achieved you know, that highest uh, ranking of a certified master athletic administrator. Talk a little bit about your journey from first getting involved at the state to beginning to take LTI courses and ultimately, you know, just share briefly, you know, your CMA project. Sure. I think it's important for our younger ADs to kind of hear the journeys and the stories of uh, the ADs that have uh, come before them.
1: Absolutely. Um, well, tw- after 20 years, um, as I said before, um, Annette Scogge introduced me to the NIAAA. Um, I spent, and it's kind of, I think back, I'm like, wow, I was in um, athletic administration for 20 years in public education. I didn't know the NIAAA even existed. Um, and so I felt like I was to the point where, okay, you can do this with your eyes closed. Um, and I I like to think that I'm a um, continuous learner and education is important to me. Um, and so I, I joined the NIAAA in 2014, um, and I was fortunate to take a class in Arlington, which I guess they had earned a grant. And I walked out of the class four hours later and I went, oh my gosh, um, my brain was just fried. It was, there was just so much information. I And I wanted to go back immediately and, and implement all these new uh, systems and policies at your, at your local level. And so I did attend my first conference um, in Orlando and that was the first one in Orlando. And I remember, um, Jake just I left the conference and um, it was like hey how was the conference and I'm like I really I really don't know because I took a cl- I took every single class I possibly could take I didn't have any social activities I was up at the 7 30 a.m. class was in there till seven o'clock um, I was exhausted but I was intrigued and so um, through some grants that um, that are w- district had um, been fortunate to receive and returning to conferences and webinars, I jumped right in. I mean head first and um, I was able to get my RAA, um, my CAA, um, my CMAA. I went to, I wanted to get more involved and so I went to one of the committee meetings um, at the conference and I filled out the application. Um, Never did I think that they would call my name. Well. Before I was on the coaches education committee, um, I actually got a call, um, do you wanna teach at the national level? And I'm like, what? I haven't even taught at the, at the state level yet. And so um, I'm going on my third year now of teaching um, 640, um, the role of an urban athletic administrator at the national level. Um, I'm on the coaches education ad hoc committee. Um, at the state level, um, same thing. I was fortunate to have some um, mentors um, Rusty Dowling, same thing, I reached out to them and I said, I wanna get involved. Um, This is something I wanna do. And so he was fortunate um, and he put me on the NIAAA liaison committee for um, Texas high school. Um, Taught 502 at the state level. And um, I I will happily say I'm I'm running for NIAAA secretary if we have a a conference, hopefully in Florida this December. Yeah, (laughs) just jump right in. (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, I'm I'm That's smiling because it is just so uh, um, so like my own path. Yeah. I was a head football coach and an athletic director for years, and probably in that order. You know, I, I think I did a good job as an AD manager. But uh, when I took a job at another school, just as the athletic director, that was uh, my first exposure to our state and uh, and national organization. And just like you, I was sucked in immediately, and. Uh, ended up you know got as you know i'm on certification yeah. you know and, and teach uh, the middle school courses so you know i think you hit it on the head right at the very end you know get involved you know ask right. people you know hey how can i help uh and uh, you will be uh rewarded so uh, what, what a great story i love hearing well, that
1: and i and i think one thing that was really great um and i i can't or so i said we can't really thank the nriaa enough in our grants um last year um i was fortunate with again um our colleagues, um, and Annette and Sandra and Dr. Langston and Sherry Stice um, to create an athletic administrator professional development um, kind of session. And it really was about bringing, um, we had 85 individuals from across the state of Texas um, who really wanted to pursue athletic administration. And um, it was phenomenal. We, they were able to come in and, and teach some classes um, and really give some coaches an opportunity to see what the NIAAA was really about and so um, kudos to them and thank you for everyone and again I mean I love following your podcast and seeing your quotes um, every day I can I'm guaranteed Jake that when I open up the NIAAA link every day in my email the first one I read is from Jake so it's, it's awesome.
0: Well I appreciate that uh, and you'll also notice that you know very few of those are original but I'm a great uh, <laughs> okay. borrower of of other people's great ideas. And um, again, uh, we're recording this uh, early September. Uh, I loved your comment about uh, our episode that dropped today with Ann Campbell, that you, know, you actually yeah. knew her from back in the day. That's very cool.
1: Well, you know, it was funny. We were in a, a forum last last December, and she sat next to me, and i we just kind of kept staring at each other. And I'm like, God, why, you know, you know that, I know you, but I'm not real sure I know you. And I just introduced myself and I'm like, did you used to coach college softball? And, um, you know, I was, we're, we're getting old, but that was a really long time ago. And, um, you know, Ann was coaching collegiately. And I think I was just that, you know, that little kid that wanted to play at the next level. And so, you know, you, you idolize those coaches and you find out everything you can about them. And, um, it was fantastic to have the ability to to reconnect with her, um, last conference and, really share, um, you know, share stories and and just um, see how journeys cross, you know, even 30 years later. So it was, uh, it was great. So it was, it was fun to, to listen to her podcast um, this morning. So hi, Ann
0: <laughs> Yeah, I, I actually uh, was Anne's uh, reader for her CMA project okay. uh, several months ago. And then that led to me asking her if she would present Uh, this past spring uh, at our Florida State Conference, which was one of the very few virtual conferences uh, with COVID. So again, uh, just a small world, but a a great network uh, for all of us to be able to, you know, touch base with these folks. Let's go and talk a little bit about COVID. Uh, As I mentioned, we're recording this uh, early September, so fall seasons across the country are uh, beginning to unfold, uh, some and we've seen a variety of responses from state associations and from governors. Uh, some some are business as usual. Uh, others have you know literally moved football to spring and you know baseball to fall. Um, so what's happening right now in uh, Texas? What's happening in Dallas as far as schools reopening and as far as uh, the sports calendar? All
1: right. Um, well. As you you know or may not know, um, obviously we're governed by the University Interscholastic League, and that's the, the UIL, and UIL has been incredible. They've taken the stance that, you know, we're having sports. Um, they've pushed some, some of the start dates back, but we have not arranged, um, at least at the varsity level, any sports um, in a different type of season. Um, football, everything's staying in place, um, just doing so it, at, at different start points, delaying those. Um, in Dallas ISD, um, you know, we're, we're large and so 22 high schools, 32 middle schools, um, right at that time we were in a really hotbed um, red area um, of COVID cases and so Dallas actually is starting um, tomorrow um, virtual, so we will open up tomorrow virtually um, and we are going to stay in a, a virtual environment um, until October the 6th, that's Dallas's plan. Um, However, also tomorrow is a phenomenal day for our athletic programs. And so um, we did get the call that our varsity sports, um, with our fall sports, can start um, strength and conditioning um, tomorrow and and go back. So we were open the summer, closed the summer open, but um, we are gonna go um, to strength and conditioning starting tomorrow. We will then bring back our junior varsity um, a week later, Um, and then we're taking a look at our middle schools, um, I wanna say toward the end of September as well. But for our perspective, um, what's really changed for us is um, the participation numbers um, for many of the sports. Um, So for example, I'll just use cross country as an example with COVID, Um, no tournaments, Um, We're allowed to have eight teams. Our varsity and JV cannot participate at the same site. They have to be off-site. It really is, uh, you know, no medals. um, Pre-screening any spectators, we're at a 50% capacity right now for our spectators. And so what we've really done, and I'm so proud of our campus athletic coordinators in Dallas ISD, um, is every campus has a um, a re-entry plan. Um, as does our district, but um, every campus was required to do a reentry plan for their practice as well as a reentry plan if they're going to host games on their campus. And so um, that's a lot of reentry plans. Um, and they're all very different because um, all their sites are different. They look different. Um, but again, I cannot thank them and, and our colleagues enough in our athletic department. Our athletic trainers have been phenomenal. And so they've been at the forefront of. Of, of helping reevaluate those plans um, our health services department in our district but right now it really has just been um, educating um, go fast but slow down um, you know what i'm saying we're, we're really like oh, you got to go but um, you really have to kind of step back and, and make sure we we really dot our i's and cross our t's with these plans um, uil has some risk mitigation factors that are important and it's um it's very important that our teams follow them. Um, and we don't know. Um, I think right now it's just read the news, um, communicate with your colleagues of hey, what's really worked, what hasn't worked. Um, but the reentry plans are there and there's a lot of support and there's a lot of education. Um, you just have to slow down, make sure you read everything. And um, you know, we are so fortunate that our kids are actually having the ability um, to compete, um, whether we agree with it or not we're back um it's COVID's not going away and so um you know all we can do right now is cross our fingers and, and hope that our kids are going to be safe um and that at the end of the day reaching plans um our goal is to keep our kids safe um, and our coaches safe and our faculty safe and um you know it gives me some goosebumps because it, it's frightening I'm, you know i'm scared but it is a, it is what it is and that's our number one goal just safety and um you
0: know, sometimes you just got to slow down. Uh, I appreciate you sharing all that, and uh, obviously wish you guys the best of luck as you, you. you begin to reopen. Uh, you know, Florida is is you know we have a plan, but it's it's kind of all over the place. Yeah. Uh, and so we've we've had games, we've had some districts that haven't mm-hmm. even opened yet. So right. um, again, it's a it's a work in progress, as you've said, and yeah. uh, watching everybody else to see what works and, mm-hmm. and you know things to avoid. Um, Another question we've been asking our EDs is in the area of, uh, you know, social issues, social awareness. You know, Mm -hmm. last spring, you know, we certainly saw uh, an increased, you know, awareness with the events in, um, you know, Minneapolis and uh, Atlanta and now recently in um, Wisconsin. Um, What's something, from your perspective, what's something that we can do as athletic administrators what can we do better uh, with our kids, our, our coaches, our communities uh, in this area of, you know, social awareness, uh, social issues?
1: Sure. Um, I think the first thing is listen. Um, you know, there are a lot of different issues, a lot of different views, um, but as an athletic administrator, um, it's our job um, to really support our kids regardless of of their beliefs or not. That's our job. Um, And I think the very first thing that we can do as athletic administrators is is listen um, and more importantly, educate yourself. Um, There are so many books um, that are available for you to read um, for your colleagues. um, And so uh, you have to keep an open mind and I know sometimes we get a lot closed-minded of what's going on. Um, And I think a lot of times is um, don't assume that um, you know what someone's going through, that you know their viewpoints. Um, You know, I'm a Caucasian female, but I work in an urban district. I have a biracial child. Um, And so your viewpoint still might be mine. And I think it's important that we are able to share um, those views and um, you know, just be open to, you know, everyone's belief. Um, and, you know, I think that's the biggest thing we can do is we can educate. Um, so whether it's, um, social injustice, you know, whether it's um, racial discrimination, um, I think right now, you know, I'm, there's a new diversity class, as you know, with, with the NIAAA as well. And I was fortunate to, to get to send in some information, um, to that committee as well. Um, you know, whether it's immigration, um, which we do a lot with obviously in Texas and our border states um, and our kids that are undocumented that are athletes, um, you know, and they were scared because uh, You know, some of the programs that are coming around and they're afraid if they go home to see their families that they're going to get locked at the border and not be able to come back to school or they're not going to be able to apply for scholarships. Um, you know, whether it is is religious, Um, same type of situation. You have to be open-minded, you know, and be aware if you have kids that are Jewish in your school. Um, And we talk about racial diversity, you know, be cognizant if you're gonna schedule a homecoming on Rosh Hashanah evening or, um, you know, Yom Kippur or if a kid's gotta miss class. So don't just assume that everybody is like you. Um, And I think that's really the biggest, point I think of all this I can really take out is that you have to be open-minded. Um, I think it, one of the recommendations that I would make, and I think it's really important uh, as we talk about just different platforms, is, um, you know, because of the Zoom platform, there's so many different things that we can do to grow. And we are doing something that I like um, in just one of my friends groups, and it's just kind of a caring community. Um, people get on, I don't know and it's really a, a small group, six or seven, um, you know, guided discussion on a topic and you talk. And um, people from all different backgrounds, um, you know, and you really have the opportunity to, to ask questions. Um, and I think that's important. So whether it's through Nomad, um, which is, you know, one of the new Twitter or even, you know, global, global women's community, um, there was a really, really great um, meeting this past week that we had some great speakers on. I think you just need to educate yourself and not be afraid to ask questions. So no, I, it's a touchy I mean, subject, it really is. But um, you know, I think you have to not be afraid to ask the right questions and just listen.
0: No, I, again, you know, listen, communication. You know, you sure. talked about you know being aware. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, let's go and shift gears a little bit. Um, okay. What are some of the things that you think that your district, your coaches? really do a great job like you know best in the country job you know what's something that you're really proud of
1: well i'd say first and foremost our athletic trainers um there's no doubt about about that they're they're an extension of us Um, you know we have with as large as we are we have um you know central sites um and we have an ad an athletic trainer over a central site and then we have a campus athletic trainer and they really are in the trenches Um, every single day and we lean on them and and have had to lean on them recently this summer of um, hey you know not everybody really wants that responsibility but you know what if if a kid tests um, you've got to follow that chain Um, the other thing that I think our our coaches do is you know they really network very very well and um, You know, Dallas is kind of its own community. Um, And I think the one thing is that there's so many, you know, there's over 950 coaches in our district. And I think PD is important. Um, There's no doubt about it. It's the most important thing to me. Um, But I feel like they really now realize that um, there's some incredible professional development out there, but there's also some phenomenal coaches that have so much to share. And so recently, even through this platform, Um, the clinics um, that our coaches have been able to do and just um, share with each other's bounce ideas off each other's our feeder pattern alignment is something that we're really getting heavy into recently which has not been at our forefront Um, and so they've done a really good job of um, working with their middle schools and growing those younger coaches but um, you know I think one of the best things that they've done is that they understand um, kids from really kind of all different backgrounds. Um, They're in the trenches. You know, kids that don't eat. um, You know, kids that their only hot meal is at at campus. um, Kids that don't have equipment. And so they're great fundraisers. Um, There's never um, a time where they've said, hey, we can't do that because we don't have that. Um, Most of them have found ways to do that and be creative um, and they've bounced off resources. And so Think that's one of the great things is that um sometime that entitlement is not always I don't feel like we have that um now granted, we want it sometimes it's nice but um but them having the ability to to realize that hey, you don't need to have this incredible piece of equipment or this you know they're nice this this fifty million dollar stadium or weight room to be successful, and so um They've earned those, and those things are coming for us. But as of right now, we, we, what we have, we use, um, and we use it effectively.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you mentioning trainers. Yeah, I think sometimes they're the uh, unsung heroes of our profession, particularly these days.
1: Sure.
0: Well, guys, Stacy, this has been uh, great. Like I said, I've been trying to get you on the show for a yeah. while. Thanks. Uh, but we're not done yet. Okay. Uh, we, always, we always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. Yeah. Now, you're certainly an experienced uh, and award-winning athletic director. Thank you. But your job right now is to send out a brand new athletic director on their very first job, but I'm only gonna let you put three items in their toolbox. What's gonna go into Stacy Siegel's athletic director toolbox? Um, find
1: a mentor. Um, I think that's, that's in the toolbox, most definitely, um, personal, professional, someone that you can bounce ideas off with, you know, that we don't steal ideas in this profession. We share, as you said, I, you know, I, I share your, your quotes pretty much on a daily basis, Jake. Um, you know, I think that's the first thing. Um, the second toolbox is, I think you have to hire people, good people around you. Um, I think that that's really important. Um, I think the hardest job, in my opinion, at some point is to be an assistant ad, um, because you have your ideas. Um, but some, you know, as a loyalty, you've gotta, you know, you've gotta do what's done. But I think it's important to hire good people around you um, that you feel like can go do their job, and you empower to do so. I think that's where professionals. Um, we don't need to micromanage. Um, be accountable, but go hire good people. And then I think the, the final thing, we talk about it is learn to communicate. Um, and I'm going to throw that fourth one in there. You got to listen. But you, you have to learn to communicate um, because you're talking to um, so many stakeholders, whether it's um, the media, whether it's marketing, whether it's parents, um, whether it's going up for a bond in, in a board meeting, um, you have to be able to articulate yourself. Um, and so I'd say, you know, take some opportunities to, Proofread, um, spend some some time on the little bitty things that maybe you took for granted um, of how to to draft a letter appropriately, but learn to communicate and whether that's written, oral, um, you know, find a mentor, absolutely. And then, um, you know, hire good people. Um, And not just good people, competent, good, articulate. Same thing, the, the things that you're pretty much looking for. Um, taskmasters, I like to call them.
0: Great, uh, great advice. Thank you. Stacey, again, it's been a pleasure. Um, all the best as, uh, you know, the Dallas schools uh, reopen. And uh, again, thanks for being on the program today.
1: Thanks for having me, Jake. Hope I get to see you in, uh, in Florida this December.
0: Absolutely. Uh, We are. We're we're pressing forward. Uh, There's going to be a national conference. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, as always to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Join us again next time on the Educational AD Podcast. Thanks again for listening to the Educational AD Podcast. Remember, these episodes are also available on YouTube on the Educational AD channel. Thanks again.